You're listening to the World Watch Weekly Podcast by Open Doors Canada. The goal of this podcast is to help you pray for your persecuted family. Since 1955, when Brother Andrew went behind the Iron Curtain for the first time, Open Doors has been strengthening persecuted Christians where faith costs the most. For more information about Open Doors Canada or about the World Watch List, please visit our website at www.opendoorsca.org. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to the World Watch Weekly Podcast from Open Doors Canada. Every week, we mention how the goal of this podcast is to help you pray for your persecuted family. And if you're a long-time listener of the podcast, you'll know we share stories of Christianity around the world, situations the church is facing, as well as prayer requests. Well, this month, Open Doors as a whole is specifically focusing on the nation of India although the reason why is rather tragic. Persecution in India is on the rise, significantly. Violent acts of extremism have increased against the church and nationalism is rampant. Christians are dealing with a systematic campaign of violent harassment, murder, and more. And it's not just limited to Christians either. Other religious minorities experience pressure to convert to Hinduism. Hindu extremists have actually stated their goal of removing Christianity from India before the end of the year. These extremists operate under the idea of Hindutva, a term that basically translates as Hinduness, but with a focus on Hindu nationalism, the idea that to be Indian is to be Hindu. Over the last year especially, Christians have seen the results of this nationalism, and we are now at a point where, as the church in Canada, it might be our last opportunity to stand with our brothers and sisters in India, because we're not sure what will happen moving forward. So what I'd like to talk about today is just a brief introduction to Christianity in India and how we ended up here. Now, it's a long and complicated story. And we can only scratch the surface, so let me make that disclaimer very clear. Anytime you're hearing a short summary of what will be thousands of years of history, it's always going to be more complicated than what we can cover in such a short time span. But it's worth at least looking at. The origin of Christianity in India goes way back to the first disciples. According to tradition, Christianity arrived in India with the disciple Thomas also known as Doubting Thomas. There's a book called The Acts of Thomas, an ancient book written in the language Syriac and generally considered as part of the extra-canonical books, that is, books about Jesus or about his disciples that have significant questions about their authenticity and are not regarded as scripture. But I'm going to read the first couple paragraphs of The Acts of Thomas, because this is where the story of Christianity in India begins. At that season, all we the apostles were at Jerusalem. Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas the brother of James, and we divided the regions of the world that every one of us should go to the region that fell to him and to the nation where the Lord sent him. According to the lot, therefore, India fell to Thomas, which is also the twin, but he would not go, saying that 
by reason of the weakness of the flesh he could not travel. And, I am a Hebrew man, how can I go among the Indians and preach the truth? And as he thus reasoned and spoke, the Savior appeared to him by night and said to him, Fear not, Thomas, go to India and preach the word there, for my grace is with you. Well, the story goes on with Thomas resisting the mission until finally God forces him to go as a servant to the Indian king Gundaphorus. Once in India, Thomas devotes himself to caring for the poor and preaching about Jesus, and eventually Gundaphorus is baptized. Thomas continues to preach in different regions in India until he's finally executed by a different king. Now, like most ancient texts, where the information about sources and dates can be sketchy at best, the Acts of Thomas is one of these that's probably interwoven with storytelling and some legend. Although it's interesting to note that other historical writers also mention Thomas's trip to India, and also Gundaphorus, the king in the story, is a historical figure who ruled parts of North India around the time of the New Testament. But regardless of the details and the literal history of the story, even if Thomas himself didn't get to India in the decades following Jesus' resurrection, it didn't take much longer than that. You see, at this point in history, the Roman Empire was still growing. Traffic to India was becoming more commonplace, as ships were able to cross the Indian Ocean, and merchants and traders from the Mesopotamian and Mediterranean world were more and more common on the western coasts of India. In fact, when the city of Jerusalem was destroyed in the year 70 AD, some members of the Jewish community began to find their way to India as well, as part of a migration, and by the second century, there is evidence of a Christian community in a region called Edessa. This region became a source of theological thought and learning for much of the early Eastern Church for many decades to come. Now, the history of persecution in India began almost right away, with priests of the religion Zoroastrianism looking on Christians with suspicion, and some early Christian leaders were killed. But over the years, persecution went in waves. In the 5th century, when an Edict of Toleration was passed in the East, the church in northern India and Persia was able to grow and spread in the region. And by the middle of the 6th century, travelers were describing Christian communities all down the coasts of India, and even into Sri Lanka. I'll read a few lines from the writings of one particular merchant named Cosmas who wrote about his journeys. He says, The church, far from being destroyed, is multiplying. The whole world filled with the doctrine of Christ, and the gospel is being proclaimed in the whole world. This I have seen with my own eyes in many places, and have heard narrated by others, even in the island of Taproban, or Sri Lanka, in inner India, where also the Indian Sea is, there is a church of Christians, clergy, and believers. How incredible is it to know that the church was growing and spreading so much in the ancient world? So, what happened? Well, it's hard to know exactly. In the 7th century, the spread of Islam across the Middle East and the Persian world created a divide between the Eastern and Western world. Because so much of our information about early Christianity in India came from travelers between Mesopotamia and the regions of India, 
When those trade routes were cut off, our information about Christianity for the next several centuries is somewhat scattered. But the available information seems to suggest that Christianity continued to enjoy some level of freedom and even status in India. And so we are forced to move forward many, many years to the Middle Ages, the 15th to 16th centuries, when the first Catholic missionaries arrived. What they found were Eastern Christians who did not, of course, follow the liturgical rites of the Latin Catholic Church, and so their goal became to unify those Christians under the jurisdiction of Catholicism. This was the beginning of Western colonialism in India. It's important to note that with the age of exploration, as the church began to be established in India, other religions began to suffer. Colonial Christianity considered their faith to be part of their culture, and so, in addition to trying to convert the existing churches to a Western form of Christianity, they also began proselytizing other religions, namely Hinduism, which of course was prominent on the Indian subcontinent. And when we say proselytizing, it wasn't just about sharing Jesus. Tragically, inquisitions were set up to enforce the Catholic faith, and Hindus were on the receiving end of persecution for their religion. The result was a slowly growing sense of reform in the Hindu world, pushback against the assumed superiority of Western culture. Protestant missionaries then began to come in the 17th and 18th centuries, most notably William Carey who was able to establish some social reforms over decades of mission work. His work didn't seek to exploit the mission field so much as to work with it, and his establishment of schools encouraged Indian culture and thought. And so, over the centuries, the church in India evolved through colonialism into just one part of a massive country that's becoming more and more connected to the Western world. The country of India was a major part of the British Empire, and in 1947, it was finally made into an independent country, a movement that the church was heavily involved in. But with independence came the rising sense of nationalism, spurred on by the Hindu reform movement, and this is where we run into the term we discussed at the beginning of the podcast, Hindutva, Hinduness. The formulator of the Hindutva philosophy was named Veer Savarkar, and he wrote this regarding other religions in India, namely Islam and Christianity. He said, Their holy land is far off, in Arabia or Palestine. Their mythology and godmen, ideas and heroes are not children of this soil. Consequently, their names and their outlook smack of foreign origin. Their love is divided. Hindutva claims territorial loyalty that to be Indian was to be Hindu. Hindutva actually has less to do with religious philosophy and more of a geographical and cultural identity. And so now, we finally come to 2021. Persecution against Christians in India has increased over the past few years, largely due to a rise in this nationalism and increased instances of extremist activity. Today, Christians, especially those from a Hindu background, are pressured to reconvert and can experience isolation from their communities and their families. Over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic, 
Christians have often been deliberately overlooked when it came to distributing aid, food, and emergency relief. And the result, of course, is increased poverty among Christians because of the loss of income and livelihood. I mentioned that we can only scratch the surface of history and the complexity of Christianity in India. But ultimately, today, we find ourselves looking at a church that has been part of the country of India for thousands of years, but it's being targeted by increased violence and looked down on as not being truly Indian. In a moment, we're going to pray for our brothers and sisters in India, but first, I want to tell you where you can learn more. As I mentioned, Open Doors is going to be really focusing on India over the next number of weeks, and you can visit opendoorsca.org slash indiaincrisis to learn all about it. You'll be able to read what's called the Destructive Lies Report. Now that's a report on persecution in India that was conducted by the London School of Economics, indicating how propaganda and lies are used by extremists to harm Christians. You'll also be able to sign up for online events in July and August to learn more. Also, you can download 31 Days of Prayer for India. Every day for a month, you can find new specific prayer requests for your brothers and sisters in India. You'll be able to stand together with the church through prayer. All that and more, again, at www.opendoorsca.org slash indiaincrisis. So as we stand together, here are a couple ways that you can keep India in your prayers. First, you can pray for the existing church, that God will strengthen them and protect them despite the increasing violent persecution. Please also pray for the Open Doors partners who are in the country, working to bring practical support and spiritual encouragement to the churches. Pray that God will give them the strength and encouragement to carry out their work, particularly during the pandemic. Pray that the church will grow and that the testimony of the Christians there will lead others to a relationship with Christ. And pray also for the nation as a whole, having been hit so hard by the coronavirus. Pray for healing and for relief from the struggles. So I'm going to pray now. Lord God, we thank you that faith is growing in India despite so much opposition faced by Christians in public and private life. We pray that you would keep bringing new believers to faith and give strength and resilience to Christians, especially those from a Hindu background. I pray that you might frustrate the plans of extremists who want to rid the country of other faiths. May you allow your name to be glorified by your children in India. We pray for those who are working in India to provide encouragement to the churches. Would you give them as well protection from both the pandemic and from harm from others? We pray that you would heal the country that suffered so much from the coronavirus. Through both miraculous healing and through medical work, may you give them relief from the onslaught of disease. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony that your church has in India and the deep history back to the first days of the church. Lord, we trust that you will not let the church vanish in this country, and we thank you for what you will continue to do in India. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as always, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of the podcast, where we can just take a few minutes to talk about the plight of our persecuted family around the world. Thank you for praying for them. 
and for your willingness to stand together with your brothers and sisters in places where faith costs the most. Again, the place to go to learn more is opendoorsca.org slash India and Crisis, and we'll link that in the podcast description. We'll see you again next week. May God bless you. Thanks for listening to Open Doors Canada's World Watch Weekly podcast. The goal of this podcast is to encourage Canadians to pray for our persecuted family. To find out more, please visit our website at www.opendoorsca.org and click on Get Involved and Prayer.